Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield. And yes, the NFL season is here. And yes, the Falcons have found a way to make it as painful as possible in a absolute gut-wrenching punch in the face, stabbed in the back, broken leg loss to the Philadelphia Eagles at home, 32-6. to They absolutely got clobbered. Uh, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, Evan, first of all, how are you doing, man? I'm tired, DW. I'm tired. <laughs> um, no, but uh, yeah, let's get into this game because I'm sure people have a lot of thoughts about it. Oh, I'm sure. Um, as you can tell by the score, this one did not go well. Uh, and it, let me say this. In actuality, the Falcons' defense, I think, held their own from the majority of the game. Uh, they kept the Falcons within two scores up until late into the fourth quarter, and then the wheels came off, obviously, at the very end. At one point, it was 22-6, to six, so the Falcons could have gotten back in with uh, two scores. But, yeah, this is, um, this is just not the way uh, Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith wanted to start their time with the Falcons. Um, a lot of people felt like the Eagles were going to be uh, one of the easier games on the schedule, and, of course, um, I don't even want to get into the fact that next week we will be playing um, uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, so we're going to focus on this game because that's all we can realistically talk about. Um, this is, well, Evan, it, it was painful. What, what are your initial takeaways from this game, man? Well, first, let's start off with the good stuff. Um, I had some Publix wings um, that were delicious. <laughs> Um, they have good wings. I will. Right. Had some, 100%. had some nachos, uh, uh, amazing uh, opening week food. Okay. So now that the good stuff's over with the game was abysmal. Um, the, if you, if you literally, and this may be a hot take, but if you take away that first drive and like pretend like you came in and watched it after that first drive, couldn't really tell a difference between this and a dirt cutter offense. Um, mm-hmm. there was like some little flashes here and there, but it was all very boring. Didn't work. Um, being down by 20 plus points and you're still running the ball to Mike Davis for four yards. If that, um, I didn't get a lot of it. It seemed like they threw the towel in, um, extra early, even before, uh, bringing in Josh Rosen, um, after Matt Ryan was hit multiple times and literally like passed out on the floor. Yeah. Um, I don't, I didn't get a lot of it. Um, I want to be able to use the, uh, we talked about it before the show, uh, or before we started recording. Um, I wanted to be able to use the, well, he's a new head coach, uh, speaking about Arthur Smith, 
but the Eagles also had a new head coach. So we can't use that as an excuse. Um, he, he made the decision, the ultimate decision not to play uh, most of the starters during preseason. Mm-hmm. And I think it really showed a lot of sloppy play on both sides of the ball from starters. Um, a lot of them who didn't even play together in an actual game. Um, I think that had a lot to do with it. But yeah, and then and then who thought the Jalen Mayfield thing would go completely sideways? Um, and it did. He uh, so bad. He looked because we can curse on here, right? Oh, 100 percent. Go for it. OK, he was about as shitty as you could get. Um, <laughs> and I hope I really hope there's some changes made, because if they think that they can try him out against Tampa Bay next week in Tampa Bay and get different results, then we've got some big problems with this coaching staff. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to go there quite yet, but to be fair, yes, if they continue to roll with what they and the thing is, like the next game against the Bucks, they have a fierce pass rush as well. Mm-hmm. So that that does not bode well for getting this kid up to speed. The, and- the one thing is they we uh, we talked about it all week, not to cut you off, but we talked about it all week that he was going up against Fletcher Cox. It wasn't even Fletcher Cox. No, no. It was like other Fletcher Cox Cox was going up against um uh lindstrom like the whole game so it's like he even got the weaker of the defensive tackles who still thrived yeah and that's uh well and to be fair javon hargrave is actually a fairly decent interior pass rusher in his own right but you know this was uh this was an abomination um and matt hennessy at center i felt was uh decent enough he did at one point get absolutely walked back into matt ryan one of the sacks um so that sort of looms large but for the most part i felt like Hennessy wasn't the issue i think this is almost exclusively Jalen mayfield just getting blown up repeatedly mm-hmm. although you know in, in total the offensive line couldn't pass block to save their lives and that that right. is a major major issue and honestly it's the trenches like we've talked about this before but it, it was on the other side of the ball too you know grady jarrett is amazing but he is surrounded by a bunch of guys who just didn't do anything. And mm-hmm. you know, we, we didn't see anything from Dante Fowler. He was invisible the entire game. Um, we didn't see anything from Marlon Davidson, uh, Bullard, any of the guys we were hoping might take a step forward. The only guy who maybe uh, showed a little bit was Jacob T.O.T. Mariner, who had the only sack in the game for the Falcons. Um, but let, let's get into that. Let's talk about some of the stats. Um, let's talk about what the Eagles did on offense, uh, because that sort of sets the stage here a little bit. Um, so what are some of the numbers you can give us, uh, Evan, for what Jalen Hurts and the Eagles offense pulled off on the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, Hurts had about as good as a game as you could get. Uh, 27 on 35 attempts, 264 yards, three touchdowns. Um, he had 62 on the ground. Uh, just terrific day for him, especially if he had him in fantasy. Um, on the ground, though, Miles Sanders led the day for him. 15 carries, 74 yards. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, who was popular in uh, draft rumors for the Falcons during the Mm -hmm. season had nine carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Um, And then through the air, obviously with Hertz having three touchdowns, uh, you know, Devontae Smith, six, uh, their first round pick uh, six reception, 71 yards, a touchdown Jalen Rager who struggled last year, seemed really good on six targets. He caught all six 49 yards and a touchdown and then Dallas Goddard, uh, their tight end. Falcons always struggle against tight ends. He had four uh, receptions, 42 yards, and a touchdown. Um, yeah, I mean, they struggled in the, in the air game all day. Oh, yeah. Um, and what was odd is 
I don't want anyone to think I, that, you know, I felt like this was a good defense. Um, they weren't. They were decent enough, I think, for the fact that the offense was just giving them zero help on the other side of the ball. Um, I, I felt like they were uh, good enough to, to win this game if the offense did what we believed they were capable of. Um, but, you know, on the flip side of that, it's like the – they were able to get like two fourth down stops, which they let the Eagles like march down the field on them and then stopped them twice on fourth down. I don't understand how they did that, but they did. Um, and you know, that's sort of the story for me with the Falcons defense. They, they let the Eagles mostly do what they wanted to do. Um, but when it came time, they were able to get some really key stops. So uh, it's a mixed bag for Dean Pease. Um, and honestly, you know, with a rookie, essentially quarterback, this is his first year as the coming in starter uh, for Jalen Hurts. Even though he started a few games last year, he's still, uh, you know, functionally a rookie. This is his first time um, really being the guy going into the this season. He's got three receivers who were drafted in just the past year or two, uh, including, uh, as you mentioned, Smith this year. And for them to just basically drop 32 on this Falcons team, at home in their first game under a new coach, a new offensive coordinator, like their head coach, um, Sirianni, uh, he was, he's barely been like, he's, uh, you know, in his thirties, he's one of the youngest coaches in the league. He's barely been a play caller. And he did that to this defense. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's the trenches, man. Grady Jarrett needs some help uh, down in the middle. And this is something where, uh, until we see some of these guys step forward, like it, this defense is probably going to be this mixed bag all year long. I've, I still have faith for players like Deion Jones, AJ Terrell, um, and for the long-term you know, potential for guys like um, Richie Grant and, and Jalen Hawkins in the secondary. But mm-hmm. this team just cannot seem to get it together in the trenches. And it looks like this first game, that's what the story is. Um, and, that, and unfortunately, you're making a great point. And unfortunately, as you said, this is a season long thing. You don't you can. I'd say if you were to able to fix an area like running back, if you were having problems with, a you know, rushing, uh, you could bring in a running back and probably make it serviceable. The trenches is the hardest thing to like group to address during a season yes, um, because there's no guard out there who's going to fix this line. There's no defensive lineman right now who's out there uh, available that's going to fix this line right you're pretty much just hoping guys step up and if they don't you're just hoping they get a little better to where like they can make some plays because there's no fixing either side of the ball there you you can switch around players sure like maybe we'll see um uh, you know we'll talk about offense in a second but like colby gassette or whatever from uh who they picked up from cleveland off of waivers maybe he comes in and gives I mean, I can imagine he'd do a better job than what we saw today from Mayfield. But I feel like you know, I would those, do a better job than Mayfield. Right. Fair. Like those are the subtle changes that you can actually make and maybe it'll help. Um, but if you're expecting like them to bring in like Quentin Nelson or something, like you're not finding anybody who's going to come in and just fix everything. No, no. And that's that's off season stuff. <laughs> and honestly, some of this is um where the offensive line is concerned, the offensive line is less about the individual performances and more about the cohesion of those guys. So some of this mm-hmm. may get fixed 
over time, as these guys play more together, we have two brand new starters on the offensive line, you know, at center, at left guard. And I fully expect they're going to see what veterans are available at left guard this week. I do not think the plan is going to be, oh, yeah, just keep rolling with Jalen Mayfield at this point. Um, you and I were joking that he may legitimately get a single-digit score in PFF this, uh, this <laughs> week. He was that bad. Um, I do think they're going to look at what options are available um, as far as free agency is concerned to fix that left guard spot. They have to. I mean, you can't let Matt Ryan continue to have you know a, a second and a half in the pocket. Um, mm-hmm. Although, I will say, Evan, the, the irony here is, and we'll talk about the Falcons' offense in a minute, is that they actually were fairly good in run blocking early on. But we'll, we'll save that for the second half of the podcast. Um, the, the Eagles' offense, though, man, like if you were playing fantasy – um, and you just decided, hey, you know what? Um, no one is picking up Jalen Hurts because he was one of the worst-rated quarterbacks last year, but he's playing the Falcons. I'm going to pick him up on waivers just because I think there's a chance he may um, end up being a, a good pickup. You probably have cashed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like 27-35, to 35, 264, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, isn't this, this is like the same story with the Falcons defense, making, you know, below average quarterbacks look like absolute studs. Um, right. If there was ever a week in fantasy to cash out on Jalen hurts, it's this week. (laughs) It's this week. And I want to say to, uh, Philly fans, uh, if you are listening to this podcast, first of all, um, welcome aboard and, uh, thank you for, and also why and why, (laughs) um, but, I would not go into the rest of this season thinking that uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be this Pro Bowl quarterback because as Falcons fans, we can tell you we have seen this story before and we have made many teams over-invest in quarterbacks who are just not that good. <laughs> so you may want to take a few weeks to evaluate your guy. What's insane is what, like these are totally new people. Why is it the same sort of thing? This like is everyone cursed. is new. It has to it. be. The city is cursed, man. It's I am. Be. I am fully on board with. And, and I've. I've sort of you know poo pooed this idea before. Uh, it, when people brought it up to me, they were like, "Ah, Atlanta's just a cursed city." No, I'm on board now. Atlanta's yeah. cursed. Um, we're we're never going to win anything. Uh, I'm feeling that in my <laughs> bones right now. Uh, and yes, we're all overreacting. There's 16 more games to go. Which Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I, I tweeted it out um, and I still have the same opinion. Like, like me and me and DW are saying some pretty negative things because, I mean, sure, who, who wouldn't be able to? Right. Seeing what we saw. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I'm still you know, not optimistic, but I'm not fully, blo- you know, full-blown panic mode yet. Um, because it is week one. And I, I believe when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl in 2016, didn't they lose against the Buccaneers in week they one? They did. They, and they looked um, very sloppy. Uh, right. And, I, and well. before we get excited here, I am not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl because they lost week one. Right. Like they've what the last four regular season openers. Like clearly it could go either way. Um, but for me, I, I'm going to let them, you know, obviously next week against Tampa, probably ain't going to get any better but it's it's a new regime i'm hopeful still but at the same time if you are a fan and you are pissed off and and you like you've been given no reason to buy into this new regime at all um if you're not optimistic don't blame me one bit you shouldn't be uh 
they didn't show anything today against a new head coach for the Eagles yep. that showed that they were prepared for this game. Um, sloppiness all over the field. You know, we're going to talk about offense and defense, but I can't pick really one or two players who I could go, yeah, they were good. Like, I mean, Cordero Patterson, maybe. He, yeah. looked, he, he surprised me as a running back. That's my takeaway. Everyone else, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, we're going to talk about the Falcons offense in a little bit more detail. Uh, we'll look ahead at the schedule. Um, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys! It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hidden. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Evan Birchfield, recapping the Falcons' god-awful loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, 32-6 in week one of the 2021 NFL season in Atlanta. In a game, in a game where honestly, the Falcons have seven games in Mercedes-Benz this year. In a 17-game season, one of their home games is on the road, which is garbage to begin with. Um, they, the flip of the coin, gave them eight games at home instead of nine, and one of those is going to be on the road. So this was one of only of seven games that they're actually going to have uh, in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and they gave us this. Um, which feels like just a kick in the teeth for Falcons fans. And let me say, we're going to have a podcast this week. Um, Gina uh, reached out to me this weekend. She's like, DW, I think it would be a great idea, which is always famous last words. Um, it would be a great idea to use our Falcoholic podcast hotline number, the voicemail, to get fans to give us their reaction to the game and we can put together a podcast just for that. And you guys absolutely have not disappointed because Evan, you and I are recording this. It's not even five o'clock on Sunday. Mm -hmm. I've already got 10, 11 uh, voicemails waiting for us. Um, for those of you that do want to leave a voicemail, if you're listening to this podcast, the number is 404-592-2823. Yes, the number is 404-592-2823. Some of you have asked me if I intentionally chose the number 2823. <laughs> and the answer is yes. I absolutely chose that number intentionally as part of, as part of the uh, Falcoholic podcast uh, voicemail hotline. Uh, leave us a message about what you thought about this game, and uh, we may play it on one of our upcoming podcasts. Uh, so, for, Evan. For yeah, anyone who's possibly like listening to this driving to work or driving somewhere, 
Um, is there a spot where they can find that number without having to come back through the episode, like on Twitter or Absolutely. within the article? Yep. If you uh, follow me on Falcoholic DW or our Twitter account at Falcoholic Pod, you will see it referenced there. So it is available. Good point, Evan. Thank you for that. Um, I've just been in those situations before and it's like, I can't remember that. (laughs) But please do call. It it, it should be, it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, the thing that you and I've realized over the years is that uh, a big part of what it means to be a Falcons fan is the therapy we get from each other in just sort of lambasting this team and making fun of them uh, and sort of, you know, really leaning into the pain a little bit. Right. Because that's, really what we know as Falcons fans and yes, leave us your voicemails curse as much as you want. And uh, we're going to have a good time with it. Uh, That's the important thing you mentioned though, is that we are fans like not to derail the podcast, but like, I can't speak for other people covering the Falcons, but at the Falcolic, we're all fans. So like right now, if you can't tell me and DW, we're trying to keep it together and be professional, but I'm pissed off DW's, Probably oh, tapped into the uh, tequila maybe a little early. Vodka. Uh, definitely have vodka. the vodka going. Vodka. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, we're right there with you. So, yeah, definitely call that number when you're safely able to and leave a question or thoughts or whatever. Yeah. And anything you can think of. Um, and I do want to say this because I've been told by some fans, hey, you guys are too negative. And I get it. Um and Aren't I, all I, fans? <laughs> if you're a Falcons fan, what do you what are you thinking? Um, but I, I do want to say this. I want to add this as a key thought. Um, as you mentioned, Evan, that 2016 season started with the stinker of a game, and then they went on to you know finish 11 five and obviously go to the Super Bowl. Um, the 2015 team, which finished eight and eight, started off with a win. The first game in the NFL season is rarely ever a predictor of how the season is going to go. Um, you have seasons where the team finishes really strong and the first game looked like an absolute, you know, God awful team. And you, you've seen vice versa. Um, right now, the saints and the Packers are playing as we speak. And, you know, this is a game where a lot of people felt like the Packers should be dominating and they're not. And, this is the NFL every year. Game one almost always gives false impressions of every team in the NFL. There are always teams that look terrible that end up being very good, and then teams that look really good and then fall off. And let's just hope the Falcons are in that second one because, obviously, this is not an encouraging performance. I do not want to make excuses for what we saw on Sunday. But um, week one, it's just one game. There are 16 more to go. Really, the, the true evaluation of this coaching staff is what do they do after this game? How do they respond to this performance? How do they respond to what the offensive line did? You know, what do they do against Tampa Bay? Can they regain some of their composure going up against the world champs? And, and I think that's going to, you know, we'll know more about this team after next Sunday. Um, all right, Evan, let's talk about what the Falcons did on offense, which is very, very little, admittedly. Yeah. Um, but tell us what they did from a stat standpoint and why you probably shouldn't have ever invested in the Falcons from a fantasy standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially since I'm the one doing the fantasy articles on Fridays. Um, <laughs> Matt Ryan had um, 35 passing attempts, which is like normal for him, maybe a little less than normal. Um and he had 21 completions on that, 164 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, 
On the ground, as I mentioned earlier, Cordero Patterson surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I knew, you know, he was listed throughout the offseason as a running back for the Falcons um, who possibly could step in if they needed him at receiver. And he looked like a running back. He was honestly the best running back the Falcons had today. By a long and, shot. Right. And when you see like a, you know, type of running back, I guess, slash what wide receiver as Patterson is, um, usually it's, oh, they had 50, 54 yards and averaged uh, seven and a half yards per carry. Um, he was probably on like an end around or a trick play. No, he was getting regular running plays and just looking the part while Mike Davis, who it pains me to say, because I've got a couple shares of Mike Davis in fantasy leagues, uh, did not look great today. 15 carries, 49 yards, yeah. um, which was an average of 3.3. Like he didn't look abysmal, but like, if you were expecting Michael Turner, he was furthest thing from it. Just didn't yeah. look good. Um, obviously, the offensive line, you know, and playing against a, a tough uh, run defense as the Eagles have in that defensive front plays into it. It's not going to get any easier next week. We're going to keep saying that um, going against that Tampa front. But yeah, he he did not look great today. And fantasy wise, has me very nervous. Um, but yeah, and then through the air, Calvin Ridley, I think he had like three receptions on the opening drive and then finishes with five receptions for 51 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts, who at times literally disappeared like a unicorn, um, <laughs> four receptions for 31 yards. You wouldn't even know he was there for most of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayden Hurst looked good. And I know, I, I believe on former podcasts, me and you kind of talked about Hayden Hurst as being a guy who could quietly surprise some people. I mean, it Mm -hmm. wasn't an exciting game, but he had four targets and he caught all four passes for 28 yards. Um, But he looked good, like the way they were using him. Um, But yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, Just nothing. Russell Gage was the big um, letdown for me. I I thought we'd see a little bit more Russell Gage. He had two targets, zero receptions. Um, Kind of forgot about him at times, to be honest. And I'm sure some people out of desperation probably started him in fantasy because he's the wide receiver too, but it just absent. Um, yeah. Today. Yep. Completely gone. And, and I don't, you know, the thing is, I can't put too much blame on those guys. I think they're still very, very good weapons. Right. It's still, it goes back to the trenches for me and the fact that Matt Ryan had very little time in the pocket, the interior. And this is the thing we've talked about for years, you know. We actually had very good performance from our tackles today, of all things. You know, Gary got beat a couple times, but he was mostly solid. Uh, Jake Matthews was incredibly solid at left tackle, but the interior of the offensive line has to hold up better than this. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, folks saying, oh, we should have drafted the quarterback. I'm sorry. Any quarterback you draft, if you let them get pressured up the middle, they're all going to fall apart in a situation like this. So right. um, this is where the Falcons have to do better. Now, I do want to say, where Kyle Pitts is concerned, um, a lot of the people are going to look at that stat line and be like, oh, my God, why do we, you know, what do we do drafting this guy? And so, obviously, first of all, um, long season. This is first game in the NFL. I think that is clearly going to improve over time. But the other thing, and this is easy to forget, Calvin Ridley in his first game in 2008 or 2018, um, Evan, do you remember how many receptions he had in that game? In 2018? Yep. Probably zero. He had zero receptions in that first game. Um, And, you know, so the first, all of that to say, I'm not happy that Kyle Pitts didn't get any reception, (laughs) you know, meaningful uh, playing time today. 
to be clear, I want to see him become a dominant beast. And I know that may take time, but I want to see it right now. Um, But Calvin Ridley in his very first game did not have a single reception. As a matter of fact, his second game, he had four receptions for 64 yards. It wasn't until his third game against the Saints where he had seven receptions for 146 yards. Uh, And yes, I do have his stats pulled up because I think it serves as a reminder that with these young receivers, whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver, sometimes it takes a game or two for them to begin to really get a feel for the speed of the game. The preseason cannot prepare these guys for how fast the game is on actual game days. And I think with Kyle Pitts, that's probably part of the issue here. And I still feel like this guy is going to, he's got unlimited potential. Um, and honestly, four for 31 is not the end of the world. Uh, it's more than Calvin Ridley had in his first game. Right. Um, it- the thing is, too, is like it's not like Kyle Pitts like screwed up a bunch or something. No. Like I didn't come away thinking, "Wow, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts is a bust." Um, at time, I mean, during the game, it was hard not to notice. Like, why is Kyle Pitts not on the field? And maybe it was just game flow or whatever they were doing. But like, I didn't come away seeing Kyle Pitts as like, "Wow, what a waste of a pick." Um, when he made plays, like he looked good. Yeah, um, but I think a lot of it's game flow. We on that first drive, I mean, you even had Matt Chambers, one of our writers, um, who's usually <laughs> pretty funny, um, literally like tweeting about how good they looked, um, which he never does. Yeah, I think everybody looked felt pretty good on that first drive. I mean, they took the ball first and came out and looked good, but then stalled in the red zone as they continue to do year after year after year, no matter who's calling plays. Um, and, you know, they were very much in this game at the beginning. Um, stalling in the red zone never helps, and they kept doing it, and I think that played a lot into the loss. And then game flow, it just got out of hand because Philly was just tearing them apart. Yeah, and honestly, if you look at those first couple of drives where they did come away with field goals, the offense looked really good until they got in the red zone, and then yep. it wasn't All- even – it wasn't even necessarily the play calls. It was the freaking penalties. It was again, you know, false starts or holding um, that pulled back the offense and kept them from really closing out those drives. And I feel like that ended up setting the precedent for the rest of the game with the offense where those penalties just started piling up. Like they got, there were so many flags and some of them were maybe a little bit questionable, but for the most part, I think the refs got it right. Um, but those penalties were, were absolutely killer in the, the early part of the game. And then I think later on, you know, once the Falcons were down by two plus scores, the, the offense became predictable, which is what happens when you're in a situation where you're forced to pass. And I know some people were criticizing Arthur Smith for running the ball, um, you know, the, late in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. I think he was doing it because the, the Eagles defense knew that the Falcons had to pass and he wanted to do the opposite of what they were expecting. And it was because they were down deep and because the offensive line couldn't block that the Eagles were able to pin their, their ears back and say, we're just going to go knock down Matt Ryan. Um, So when he was running the ball late, I think that was actually partly number one to protect Matt Ryan. um, And number two, because he was trying to do the opposite of what uh, the, the, the Eagles were expecting. Now that said, this offensive performance is completely unacceptable. You know, six points is at home is an abomination. So I don't want to make an excuse for that. Um, But 
a lot of this, if you look at it, is I don't think it's scheme issues. I think what Arthur Smith was calling, the plays he was calling, made a lot of sense. He clearly made a big impact in the first half in the running game and making it look competent again and actually making it look really good, as you mentioned, especially with Corderell Patterson, who looked like a godsend uh, in the first couple quarters. Um, but it, the players have to execute and they have to eliminate the penalties. And the penalties were absolutely brutal um, throughout the game. And especially in critical moments where you have like a third and three or a, a second and two, and all of a sudden it turns into second and 12 uh, or third and 13. Those are drive killers. And that is something they have got to work on this week. Um, you know, it, it's easy to sort of, you know, dump all of this on Jalen Mayfield. And he was absolutely the worst player on the Falcons today without, I don't think anyone's going to come close to his abysmal PFF score. I'll be surprised if they do. Um, I can't wait to see that by the way, Evan, that's going to be so shocking. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm excited and also scared. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know, those penalties, it was, it was multiple play- players. And uh, this is something mm. that, if you want a positive, if you're listening to this podcast and you want a positive to take away, I think the scheme is good. I think the play calling is fine. The execution was awful. The penalties were awful. And those are things you can clean up during the season. Will they clean them up immediately? I don't know. Um, do they need to replace Jalen Mayfield as a starter? Yes, 100%. I, I just don't think he is ready at this point. Um but I think there's reasons to think this team can improve and improve somewhat quickly over the next several games. So, Evan, the schedule coming up, you and I mentioned this earlier, next Sunday at Tampa Bay at the 405 game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be you know, against the world champs. Let's be honest. I don't think anyone's going to predict a win. Even, yeah. a, even a close loss. I was, I was going to cover that game, but now I'm kind of happy the NFL made it to where you can't. <laughs> we don't want yeah. anywhere near this team. Uh, yeah, that's that's going to be ugly. Um, but yeah. Yeah. After that, they go up to New York to face the Giants, who I think are a team that um, have talent issues. And, and that could be a, a game where the Falcons bounce back a little bit. Right. The following week at home against Washington, uh, Washington has a really good defense. Uh, Ron Rivera is the coach of that team, so they're going to be very disciplined. That could be a tough game. But then again, at home again against the Jets. If I'm looking at the schedule, that's the one though that's in London. Yeah, that's the, oh, that's right, that's the one in London. <laughs> so that's yep. going to throw them off. Uh, exactly, and that, and then they get a bye after that. If I'm looking yeah. at these first five games, I feel like. Two and three is a reasonable record, a potential record. And two and three is not going to win you the division, clearly. But it's not the end of the world. It's going to keep you in the hunt. It's going to keep you relevant. Um, and then after the Jets, they go on the road to face the Dolphins. The Dolphins, I think, have some, some you know, good pieces, but uh, they've got some question marks themselves. We're going to know a lot more about this team after the first three or four games of this season, which is usually the case in the NFL. It takes yeah. several games before you really have a proper understanding of where this, this team is at from a coaching standpoint, from a talent standpoint. Um, and then sort of the middle of the season gets a little tough with the Saints and the Cowboys and the Patriots um, all sort of filling in the middle of that, uh, that schedule. But it's not the end. 
they're own one. Um, they're probably going to be own two after <laughs> next week. Um, but it, it's you know, I, I'm not going to give up on this team yet. I think many of us came into this season thinking, okay, this is like a 500 uh, team, and honestly, I'm looking at schedule. I still feel like that's the case, even after this loss. I still feel like they're going to be around six, seven, eight wins in that range, um, yeah. even after this disastrous <laughs> performance. Do you feel um, the same way, or do you feel like I'm I'm still smoking the the hashish at this point? Well, I mean, like five minutes ago, I'm like I'm still like kind of optimistic towards you know it's only week one but yeah i think you're a little too and i'm saying this as somebody who predicted them in our falcolic prediction roundtable to go like 11 and 6 <laughs> so yeah uh today kind of lessened my expectations i think they're about 500 at best um you know just throughout the history and apparently this team follows the history by you know the struggles in the red zone and stuff um i i would think they would beat the giants but like i don't know after what i saw today um washington which kind of used to be an easy game we're talking about before the bye week uh washington mm-hmm. who, who you'd kind of you know they lost ryan fitzpatrick today with hip injury and i don't know what the extent of that injury is but they've got a really tough defensive front like we're facing yep. some tough defensive fronts such as we did today um so i can't say that's a win um the jets game i would say if it was in atlanta i'd feel good about but it being in in london at um 9 30 a.m eastern time so i don't know what it is over there might be a little difficult on the players um who aren't used to it and anytime you're playing in london honestly it kind of throws off everything um yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel good about the record at this point, and it's only one game, so uh, you know, we'll see what happens next week. If you know they come out and look competitive against the Buccaneers, I'll definitely revisit that. But sure. this game, um, I think, if they would have lost to the Eagles a little closer, maybe it was like thirty-two to twenty-eight or something, we could at least have a conversation about okay, well, you know, th- these are some simple fixes. They got smacked in the mouth, thirty-two to six. I yeah. mean, let's yeah. call it what it is. They got they got beat, um, and I, I mean, I'd like to see them adjust, but I can't imagine a tougher team to go against following a punch in the mouth than going against the Buccaneers in Tampa. Um, yeah. So we'll see, but yeah, I'm not optim I'm not optimistic, but I'm not like totally out on the season either. Like it's one game, and we have we have an extra game this year, so it's kind of like a gimme. Yeah, I mean, and I guess it depends on what your expectations for this Falcons team was going into the season. If you thought they were going to get into the playoffs as an outside, you know, maybe the seventh team in the playoffs uh, mm-hmm. since we have that now. Like wild card at best. Right, the wild card at best, because there's no way they're winning in the division. We all sort of agreed on that. I don't think there's anybody in the world that thought they were going to win the division. Um, <laughs> then wild card at best, you know, maybe you feel like that is shaken. I, I still feel like, again, this is a team that if they can correct some of these issues with the penalties, if they can correct some of these issues uh, at left guard, they can make some leaps forward and win against teams like the Giants, maybe the Jets. You know, the Panthers have some issues. Um, the Jaguars, you know, there's there are a lot of teams on this roster, the Lions that they're facing, you know, later in the season, where there are opportunities for them to string together, 
you know, the, enough wins where you get the six, seven, maybe even eight wins, and uh, you improve on last season. You still end up with a, a decent draft pick, um, and you continue to build. And hopefully this year you build into the trenches where you're, you're investing into the defensive line or the offensive line or both throughout the entire draft. And I, I think that's something that we're hoping for as we get into 2022. I don't want to write off this season because there's a lot of football left. Right. Falcons could certainly surprise but it, I don't think there was any expectation that this was going to be a playoff team or a serious playoff contender um, in 2021. And um, there, so along those lines, there is still a lot of reason to think this team can grow and develop from here and move into the next phase of what Falcons football is going to look like with some good building blocks. Um, and, and you know what? It, it's probably premature to write off a player like Jalen Mayfield. It's one game. He faced a really good defensive line. Um, if he bounces back and becomes like this Pro Bowl player, we're going to look back at this and say, man, that was terrible, but thank God he turned around. Now, <laughs> am I going to put money on that? Hell no, I'm not going to put money on that. Yeah, and probably not next week. <laughs> Certainly not next week, not against the Buccaneers. Um, but it, you know, years ago, uh, I remember at right tackle, and I think it was 2013, we were starting Jeremy Trueblood for most of the season, and he was just a, an absolute turnstile at the position. And we had this guy on the bench who had shown potential in camp. He looked the part. We thought he would you know, maybe be a, a good player. They finally put him out there, and then his first start, it was against the 49ers. One of the very first plays he made, he actually missed the block, and he Face planted into the ground, face first, literally, like couldn't even block the guy. Completely missed him. Dropped face first into the ground. That guy was Ryan Schrader, who ended up being a really good right tackle for us for several years. And I think it's important to remember that the first game does not necessarily define the careers of these guys. It's certainly not encouraging, but I don't think we can write any of these guys off yet. Let's see how they do against Tampa Bay. Evan, any final thoughts as we close out this podcast? Just be happy football's back. It's a <laughs> game, um, you know, and we all love it, and that's why we're all upset, and that's why you're listening right now. But um, overall, I'm just glad football's back. Uh, whatever happens with the Falcons, it happens, but I'm just glad football's back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Um, it's good to be back with you on the podcast. It we'll is. Remind our listeners where they can find you, man. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Evan Birchfield. Um, just go to falcolic.com for all our content. Like us on uh, Facebook. It's the Falcolic. And then Instagram, the underscore Falcolic. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long season, and you get an extra episode this year because of the NFL adding an extra game. But uh, stay tuned. Me and DW will be back next week. Yep. <laughs> Come hell or high water. We may be <laughs> right. regretting that. Uh, <laughs> All right, as for you guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW, updates for this podcast at FalcoholicPod, and of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Evan Birchfield, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in, and thank you for the angry voicemails you've sent so far. We're going to have some fun with this, as we, as Falcons fans, can only do. And we will talk with you next time.